Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. The internet back those days didn't look anything like it does now and didn't have the functionality that it does now. This is just the beginning of where all this stuff is going. And, and it's not just chat GBT. From my own perspective as, a, as an educator, it's kind of been an arms race with students to try to outsmart the people who want to cheat. With this AI engine, you know, you can say, write me a five paragraph essay, and it will. I would be more worried if we were an echo chamber particularly in the customer experience marketplace, I worry that it's an echo chamber as opposed to finding insights, which is what I think we tend to do. Ryan, I, I always remember getting a friend of mine when the internet first came out. And I used to work at home and I used to work for British Telecom. Yeah, so they gave me what was called an ISDN line back those. It's like a broadband, but before they'd invented broadband, you know. I had access to the internet back in the days before loads of other people, basically. And I always remember sitting Tony in front of the internet and going, look, it really, it really, it's, it's an amazing thing. And, you know, it just look, and it, it's all connected. And you can ask it what you want. And, and he went, I don't know what to ask it. <laughs> <laughs> I go, well, you can ask anything, just ask it anything, and it will come back. I don't know what to answer. Ask it. And we sat there for 10 minutes to try to think up a bloody question to, to, to come up with, you know, to play about with the internet so I could show him it. Uh, I have to say he walked away from it not very impressed. Yeah. yeah? But I'm sitting there waxing lyrical about it and uh, everything else. So the reason I tell you that story is we've both been playing with chat GBT, haven't we? We have. Yep. Can you imagine the heaven that I'm in now with that new bit of technology? You uh, you are an early adopter, for sure. <laughs> yes. If you haven't, I'm sure people have heard of it, but ChatGBT is a AI, open AI system that uses natural language. So in other words, you can talk to it and write things, ask questions in a normal manner. Yeah. And the key is that you can have a conversation with it or you can, it's more conversational. So it's not like Google where you go, what's the answer to this? And then it gives you an answer and then you think, well, actually, I didn't want that. I want, you know, and then you have to start the search over again. You can ask it to refine things, et cetera, et cetera. When you ask Google a question, Google just goes and finds where someone has written something on the internet that seems to be close to what it is that you're asking. When you ask ChatGPT a question, it generates text kind of from scratch. So it is producing something. It's not finding something for you. It is actually generating that text. So sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, not at all. So, so maybe the best thing to do is just jump in and give people some examples because I think this is going to have a big effect everywhere, okay? And we can talk about some of that stuff. But I think it's going to have a big effect on customer experience and from both sides, both customers using it and organizations being able to use it 
to improve their experience. And let, let me say, I've only been playing with it for two weeks, but I was talking to my son, who's equally a, a bit of a geek when it comes to this stuff. We were both pinging back and forth. I've asked her to do this. I've asked her to do that. Anyway, so one of the things I did, which was interesting was, so if you go back to some basic things, I went out and took a article that I had written, okay, and I asked it to produce a 300-word summary, yeah, and it did it within 10 seconds, Yeah, you know, and it's basically what it's doing, it's machine learning, and it's been learning from lots and lots of data, you know, millions of megabytes, well, masses of data that's out there. It's not connected to the internet yet, but... I would imagine it's you know only a matter of time before that that happens, but it went out, it found the article, yeah, in its database, and it then produced a three hundred word summary of it for me, and then I turned round to it and said, right, could you make that sound more impactful, and it did, and then I said, could you make it sound, uh, could you write it in the tone of Colin Shaw, yeah, and it did. Yeah. And at the end of it, I looked at it and I thought, you know what? I assume by that it just it made it make less sense is what you meant um, <laughs> in the style of Conjo. Yeah. And it had lots of spelling errors and everything. I mean, it copied exactly <laughs> what I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you can, you can prompt it to change the tone, to change the style, make it longer. To, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I found it incredible. And it, and I mean, just that, and let's just talk about that for a moment, because, well, in fact, no, let's, let's, let's go on and give people some other examples, because otherwise I'm going to run off down that, that rabbit warren hole. The other thing I did was I asked it to create a customer complaint process. Uh, so like the policy? Yeah. I said, can you create a customer complaints procedure? I think was the word I used. And then they come back with it. And then I said, please make that more customer friendly or more customer centric. And it went off and did that. Then I asked it to reduce that down from the nine steps it had to five steps. And it did that, you know. So I don't take this whole show over, mate, with my excitement. What about yourself? I know you've been playing with it as well. Yeah, I've been playing with it. I've also been tracking mentions of it in media. So like where I've seen other people use it is to write scripts for things. So people, you can ask it to write a script for a show that you like um, or for a podcast that you listen to. And it's able to do that. It's uh, I've seen where people have had it write song lyrics in the style of various songwriters. Apparently it can write computer code. So you can ask it to write code for something. I've heard of an example of like a really early adopter to this, like kind of before it got mainstream and people found out about it. There was a guy that I knew, a college professor who was using it to write the first draft of a textbook that he was writing. So he he said that it's easier for him to edit text than to write it. And so for each chapter, he would say, all right, well, you know, write a thousand words on how to do a linear regression. And so it would spit out the text and then he would kind of like change things here or there as he wanted it to be more of his style, but it was writing the book for him. Yeah. And, and that I think is one of the big applications to be honest with you. 
I've been listening to different podcasts on on this and YouTube and stuff like that. And I think that, I mean, you, you and I both know, having written a book together, but also, you, you know, you write lots of reports and papers, etc. The issue for me is always coming up with the start. You know, it's it, I, whenever I sit there and go to write a, a blog or whatever, I always sit there and think, oh, how am I going to start this, you know? But the great thing is, is you can turn around and say, write this blog, base it on this article, but pick out these points and write it in the tone of this and you can then, you know, refine it. And it comes up with something. Now, what I have found myself doing is I found myself going in and adding that 5%. So the first thing to say is it's by no means perfect, okay? So you do have to check it. But I think that there's been things that I've done that where I've now turned around and uh, and it's written 90% of it. Now, I haven't used it, let me stress, for any articles or anything else at the moment, but more just playing about with it. But it does make me start to, I mean, it makes me start to think about in this podcast I was listening to last week as a guy from academia who basically said that the essay is dead. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, it, from my own perspective as a as an educator, when I first started hearing about this and learning about it, like that was my reaction to like it's it's kind of been an arms race with students going back for as long as there's been education to try to, you know, outsmart the people who want to cheat. There are obviously lots of, you know, um, honest and forthright students who want want to learn. But then there's always going to be some portion of them that want to cheat in the way that they can. And so technology makes cheating easier in various ways. And so we're constantly having to kind of outmaneuver them. But um, with this, with this AI engine, you know, you can say to chat GPT, like, write me a five paragraph essay on the major themes of Romeo and Juliet. And it will like what my teacher friends and I were playing around with this. And one of my colleagues typed in some of her assignment prompts where it was like, you know, just really basic stuff. Like tell me about a brand that is important to you. And uh, it spit out an essay and she's like, this, this would get an A from me. Like this was, this is great. And it was very personal and it did not sound like it came from a computer. So so yeah. So in terms of the implications of this, right. I think, you know, we can talk about the, the pros and the cons of this from my perspective as an educator, one of the major cons of this is it's going to be nearly impossible to assess someone's understanding uh, or learning by having them write something up at home and turn it in because it will be nearly impossible to, to detect. Now, I, they're already some undergraduate at Princeton has come up with some software that supposedly can catch when something is AI generated. So that it looks for various characteristics of the text. That seems like a short-term solution to me. I'm sure that as this AI engine evolves and gets more information feeding into it, that it will become harder and harder to detect. So that that is a major implication of this. And I feel like it was dropped on teachers with no warning. And we are all scrambling now to figure out what to do with it. Yeah. Well, maybe that's the reason, but because you know before the show, I I got onto chat GBT because I've done a load of different things on it and I was going to use that as some prompts for things. And it's I, there's now a screen up here that's telling me that chat GBT is at capacity right now. Yeah. And I will notice that I will note that 
colleges started back this week. So the uh, semester started. So that may, be, <laughs> that may be why there's a demand for essays now. But I, I guess this goes back to the story I told at the beginning of this, because if I think back to that time when I sat down with Tony in front of my, uh, with my ISDN line looking at the internet, the internet back those days didn't look anything like it does now and didn't have clearly have the functionality that it does now, you know? So this is just the beginning of where all this stuff is going. And and it's not just chat GBT, because I gather there are different platforms that are going to be similar, whether they are better is a different kettle of fish, but, you know, similar. So I, you know, I, I think for me, as I started to try to think this through is, it's like the democratization of AI. It's like, you know, giving it this access to everybody. So l- let, me, let me tell you a couple of other things that I found interesting that I, I did with it. So one of the things I did was, obviously, when you're writing a blog or you're coming up with a podcast, I'm not very good at titles or, um, you know, titles are important. And the way that I normally look at a title is, I go into a, and I think I've mentioned this before, I use a website called Headline, and you basically go in there and you type in the headline that you think or the title that you think is going to be a good title, and then it comes back and gives you a score, and it suggests improvement. It's, you know, it says, it's quite good. It says, you know, well, you need to use some more emotional words or you need to use this, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't take the answer, but it gives you a score. Okay, so one of the things I did this week was I went into ChatGPT and I said, give me three titles for a podcast that is about this, this, this and this. It came back with those three titles. I then cut and paste those three titles into headline and they were high performing titles. So you're like pitting one AI engine against another at this point. Well, yeah, so that's what made me then think is going, so I've got a general AI here, ChatGBT, and now I'm going to a more specific AI system, yeah? And actually, why have I got headline now? Because I don't need it, you know? Now, let me stress, I think that would be a bit extreme just to make that jump now, but it does make you go... It is absolutely going to be a disruptive technology, isn't it? Yeah. One of the the bits of conventional wisdom that I, I came across as I was reading this week that strikes me as true is that a lot of times when disruptive technologies come out, like the internet, a lot of times we we overpredict change in the short term and underpredict its impact in the long term. So, you know, like, like with your friend, you're sitting there and you go, we can do anything with this. And it's like, well, it's going to change everything tomorrow. And it didn't like the internet was kind of clunky for a while. And then, you know, now we're at the point 15, 20 years later, where it's hard to imagine life without it. And it's, it's, you know, seeped into everything. I anticipate this will be the same thing. Like now it's a toy, right? It's, it's a game. And, the, and there are some practical uses to it for sure. I'm trying to, to minimize that, but most of us who are on there are just playing around to see what it can do. And it's not going to affect our lives that much day to day, unless you happen to be a high school English teacher, in which case your life just got really hard. But for most of us, it's not a big deal. But over the long term, over the next five years, 10 years, like I, I 
think this is just going to be transformative. Like, I think it's going to just change everything. No, I think that's right. It's not just about, it's not going to suddenly change it overnight. I think it's clearly going to develop. If you then think about, though, I mean, you mentioned the person that has written a bit of software that, that sort of sits on top of it that can look at whether it's come from AI. Just imagine the other, all of the other applications that are going to do that, that we haven't even thought about. Okay. So the issue is, is that, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Why not let Colin and Ryan speak at your next conference? As you can hear, they're great communicators and can get over a message in a simple, inspiring, and humorous way. Contact Beyond Philosophy by going to beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. Another interesting thing is I put a uh, LinkedIn post out. I will put a link in the show notes below. And I basically went, hey, I'm doing a show on, on ChatGPT. What applications have you thought about? Okay. Now, the Here's the interesting thing, because you know I normally get quite a lot of responses to that type of thing. The interesting thing was I didn't get many, yeah? And it's interesting because I, I started thinking, I think this is just so new <laughs> that people haven't really thought about it. But a couple of shout-outs to a couple of good points that were made. One was from, and again, we'll put a link in the show notes for the um, these guys' LinkedIn pages, Graham Hill. He said, if everybody created the complaints process using this, then everything would be the same. There would be no distinctiveness, no difference. And where's the competitive edge? And I must admit, I I, I, I thought, yeah, that's a really good point, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I agree. I yeah? agree. And it, it's yeah. a bit like Canva. I, I don't know if you've heard, but because everyone uses Canva now, then the danger is, is everything starts to look similar. You know, so I thought that was a good point. Another good point was Igor Rodriguez basically said uh, it's the power of context and being able to refine the answers that impress me. And and again, I thought, yeah, you're right. It is the power of context, isn't it? You know, it's being able to put a context around it and refine your question or refine the answers it gives you in that conversation, which I, I thought was was right. Yeah, that's the really clever part. Yeah. Uh, that shows some real nuance in the AI system, that it yes. doesn't just produce an answer. It can produce any number of answers depending on you know, the sp- specific parameters you set, including things like tone and style and audience. Yes. Um, one last one, and I'm probably going to mess up his surname, but Sergio... Lasenko, sorry, so ask Chat GPT how to pronounce that. <laughs> so he said this technology could be used as a simulator for staff, a tool for assessing communication skill and empathy, acting out different situations and unexpected requests for customers. We could run interaction scenarios and get responses and reactions. So preparing ourselves for many, you know, different occasions. And I thought, yeah, that's a good point. You know, you could use it as a uh, as a way of um, training people as well, couldn't you? Yeah, no, I we can really go down the rabbit hole with this. Like I, I could I've heard of services that, and I, I'm trying to remember exactly what what they were automating, but it was it was essentially some kind of like complaint or legal documentation service where it's like you would go to them and then they would write up the complaint for you and submit it. 
And they were one of the early adopters of this where they were like, well, instead of writing it up, we could just have this AI write it up for us. And so you'd go to them with your complaint and then they would input it into this um, AI engine and it would come out with the complaint and then they would read it through and then submit it. And I can foresee a time in the not too distant future where you're going to generate a complaint using an AI bot and then that's going to go to the company or the entity and then they're going to process it using an AI bot and potentially write a response to you using that AI bot. Like I, it, it, We may rapidly be heading to a place where humans are no longer on either side of the equation here. We've got, you know... Well, you know, funny you should say that. It's assessed by an AI bot to see how you know genuine it is or how serious it is, and then a response is written. Like, yes, no, I I, I agree. And, and let me give you another scenario in my playing about with this. Okay, so and I, I'm glad you are, you are sitting down. Yeah, you're sitting down. I'm sitting down because I had a problem with Apple. Oh wow, um, <laughs> that is that is sit worthy. Yes. <laughs> I had a problem with Apple. Basically, I bought an Apple Watch and wanted to take back the band because the band was the wrong size. And I'm, I'm not going to go into the long and short of it, but the long and short of it is they won't let me take it back because I bought it online and I'm now in England and various different things. Anyway, so I've got this problem. So I thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get chat. <laughs> chat gbt to write me a letter so uh, i put it into the system yeah and then i thought all oh, right you know uh, and then i thought hold on because i i had heard from one of my friends that chat gbt had passed the bar exam for some state in the states yeah so it's it's legally a lawyer now yeah okay so n- this wasn't apple the n- this next one was but i basically said Write me a letter that's based upon Florida law for a product that doesn't work, that I can't take back. And then it came back with the letter quoting various different parts of Florida law. And then I said, and make that now sound a bit more, I can't remember the word I used, but, you know, aggressive or something like that, you know. And it came back with that. And and you just, because that was where my mind then went was, so how do organizations respond to that? Well, I would like to see you submit that letter that it wrote back to it and say, write a response to this based on Florida law. Allowing You're always me to one step ahead, mate. Point. I hadn't thought about that, but that's a bloody good idea. Yeah. yeah. If it's a really good lawyer, it'll be able to argue both sides of that. <laughs> yeah. Here's another killer for you. I then said to it, so you know that we spent I don't know how long, a year of our life writing the um, the intuitive customer book that led to this podcast. And you'll remember in there that we wrote, we had long debates about what were the seven imperatives. And we ended up coming up with these seven imperatives that we thought the ma- were the main ones because there could have been half a million imperatives, to be honest with you. We thought the main ones were. So one of the things I asked it to do was to go away and to look at the seven imperatives and suggest an eighth one. Oh, wow. <laughs> now I'm feeling a little personally threatened, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Why did I bother doing this with you, mate? If I, yeah. if I, was it, was the eighth if I just had this here. I'm your co-author. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the interesting one was it came back with was 
the eighth imperative should be about storytelling. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, that seems like a really good one. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So so that I, I, I can't remember the seven, but they were around the intuitive and rational. They were around about memory. They were around forming habits. They were around expectation and emotion. You know, all of the big topics that we tend to talk about. But I thought when it came back, I thought, yeah, storytelling's a good one, actually. Yeah. No, that's very reasonable. Yeah. So let's try and do a summary and let's do a do the bit the bit that we normally do at this point, which is so what? You know, we we've waxed lyrical about all of this stuff, but so what? if you're the if you're listening to this, what would you we suggest you do? Do you wanna go first? Sure. So I guess my my summary of all this is that it is neither good nor bad alone. It is both. There's some major pros to this. Uh, like the, the big one that I would kind of summarize, like the benefits of this are in the word that you used earlier, which is democratization. I think that there are lots and lots of things which only specialists can do or which only people can do now with extensive training or by paying a lot of money to have somebody do it, which will very soon you'll be able to do yourself just using this. And that's very, very empowering. So, you know, like the example that you gave, you know, you might've had to hire a lawyer to write that kind of letter before, and now you can do it yourself without any help. Not everybody is a skilled writer, um, you know, especially if you're writing not in your native language, for example. And now you'll be able to produce things that sound as good as any native speaker of a given language will be able to produce. And that's very empowering. The computer code thing, I think, is going to be massive. You know, I, I don't think that somebody with no training will be able to jump straight in. But I think we're going to go from years of programming, training, and frankly, a lot of kind of native intelligence and skill to be a good programmer to much, much more limited training and much less clever. And you'll be able to produce fully functioning software using this. I think that those are all wonderful things. The flip side of that though is, you know, especially somebody who's interested in, in education and in thinking and then, you know, cognitive self-improvement, some of those skills are worth developing. Like I, I do worry that if, you know, we train up kids to only learn how to write by leaning on an AI bot, that they will never develop the skills of putting together an argument and learning sure. how to be persuasive and learning how to write on their own. And, sure. and I think that those skills are useful. I mean, I, I took computer programming classes when I was in college and I don't use them, use that skill day to day anymore, but it changed the way that I think to force myself to learn how to deconstruct problems in that way and put it together. And, and, you know, my code was clunky and it was, you know, really, really hard. But I had a better mind on the other side of it. And so in terms of a con, I, you know, as with any technology, I worry about what we potentially might lose. That said, there's, there's no putting this genie back in the bottle. It is out and we'd better learn to cope with it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I, 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 a few things I think that I, if, if I was you, dear listener, what I would do and what to think about. One is just building on what Ryan was saying at the beginning. I actually have less of a concern about that 
to be honest with you, what you're just saying, Ryan. And the reason I have less of a concern is I think that if you looked at sort of other technologies that we've had, GPS and map reading, you know, people need to learn how to read maps, not just rely on GPS. The other one that I always remember back in the day, and this will show my age, is when calculators first came about. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before we move on from that one, I'm I'm not sure you were arguing the other side of that. Like, I think that people used to learn how to, used to know how to use maps and by and large do not at all today because of GPS. Yeah, whether whether they've lost the skill or whether, so do I think they are less skilled? Yes, I think they're less skilled, okay? Now, clearly the skill is less needed, which is why they don't bother to learn it anymore, but yeah. If I think back, maybe the, a calculator is a better example. If I go back in time, um, when the calculator was first adopted, certainly in England, the education basically said, well, we don't need to train people on math anymore because they can use a calculator. And within a couple of years, that went back to how it is. Does that mean that people don't use calculators? Of course not. Are their math skills, particularly their um for quick maths in their brain is is that been impaired probably yeah you know but but let me go on and talk about a couple other things that i think are 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 important one is i think the key for me is you got to try it okay and you got to play with it you've got to realize that it is inherently biased okay it is biased upon the data in which it's been built and we've talked about this on the podcast, you know, which is garbage in, garbage out. And therefore your mate, whose name I always forget when he was on the show, talked about that basically AI is just a biases written in code, basically, which always struck me. It does make me think about, and I started to consider this, about plagiarism and all those types of stuff. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I once, one of my clients sent me a note, which was that they'd been onto somebody else's website and this person had basically lifted one of my blogs and just put it on their website, word for word. Yeah. And I wrote to them going, I'd appreciate it if you don't do that. And, you know, if you want to refer to my article, then that's absolutely fine. But, you know, I wouldn't expect you just to do the whole thing. It made me think about reports, even, you know, as soon as this comes out, someone is going to be able to copy the text, stick it into ChatGPT and say, give me a 30-word summary of this. Oh, and the other thing that, that I've done is now give me four LinkedIn posts that are highly impactful. And it does that as well, yeah? So I think the whole of that that marketplace, if I was in social media and the writing marketplace now, I would be worried, yeah? Because this can do that, a lot of that job. I may be exaggerating, but, you know, if we if this is sort of the ground floor and it's just going to get better, but I don't. Th- I think the thing that it doesn't do, I would be more worried if we were an echo chamber. I would be more worried, particularly in the customer experience marketplace, I worry that it's an echo chamber and just people are just repeating things as opposed to finding insights, which is what I think we tend to do. Having said that, 
it came up with the ache imperative from the book. <laughs> well, it, it did, but it, it's in part because storytelling is a part of a cluster of ideas that hangs together well with what we've done. So it's a really good question. And, and you know, your respondent to that LinkedIn post, I think, honed in on this. The AI engine is only as good as the information that it's being fed. There is a danger that if more and more of the information that is fed into these AI agents is created by AI agents, right? This chat GPT yes. is creating it text becomes... that is now going to be out on the internet. And yes. so there, there is kind of a danger of inbreeding at some point. Yes, you're right. You're right. Because it, it goes back to that Canva type thing, doesn't it? All images start to become to look like Canva. And therefore, if by definition, you're providing insights that are outside of that, in fact, it's just building and reinforcing your point, one of the things I did at the beginning was I asked it to define what a customer experience was, and it came back with a definition. But interestingly, it didn't have emotions or it didn't mention emotions. Okay. Now, why is that? Well, because the majority of information out there doesn't include it. So by definition, it wouldn't. When I then said to it, are emotions part of customer experience? It clearly went out and searched and came back and taught us it actually quoted some of my work. I guess that reinforces your point. It's going to go out and collect what is the general norm. And that's the 80% that everyone's going to refer to. And the danger is if it becomes the 80% is going to become the 90%, isn't it? And therefore, by definition, it's those insights that should be driving things. But even in this conversation we're having, mate, it just goes to show the value of it, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not going away. No. <laughs> so we only do it. No. So, but we are. How about that for a link? You wouldn't get that in AI, would you? <laughs> we're going away. We're leaving you. We hope that has been of use. We could have asked ChatGBT to write us a really good outro, but we didn't. So we hope that was of use to you this week. And please play about with it and get involved in the conversation. We're going to do a, a, a LinkedIn post on this. So why customers buy is the LinkedIn newsletter I have. I'm going to ask for comments on all this type of stuff. So please get involved in the comments and uh, it'll be interesting to see what you think of it and the applications you can think of for ChatGPT. And we'll put a link in the show notes below of how to sign up for it. Okay. Thanks very much, everyone. Cheers. Thanks very much for listening to the show today. We really hope you've enjoyed it. And if you have, it would be really great if you could leave us a review. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer. Intuitive Customer.